All right, so we have a special guest speaker, um, Dr. Murray Wilton. Uh, help me welcome him to the stage. Let me give you a little bit of who he is, his bio right here. He is from South Africa, born in Port Shepstone. Uh, he served in, in the South African Defense Force. Uh, he graduated from the University of Cape Town. Uh, he has also served as pastor at Southside Baptist Church in Huntsville. Uh, he did that for 14 years. And currently, he owns the C-12 Group franchise for North and Central Alabama. Um, through, through this, he has served 30 companies equip, equipping Christian CEOs to build great businesses for a greater purpose. He is married to Rachel, who has three married sons and nine grandchildren. Murray has two sons and a married daughter with two grandchildren. He is a six-year cancer survivor from lung cancer, and he thanks God for the blessing of being alive and believes that each day is a precious gift from God. Help me welcome Dr. Murray Wilton. Thank you, Billy. Thanks for reading the scriptures, Hi, friends. Hi. Thank you so much for this opportunity to share God's Word with you. And we'll be together for the rest of June. I'm really looking forward to it. And um, thanks so much for the leading in worship. And just some of the songs we sang, Open the Eyes of My Heart. Just such a precursor to what God has put on my own heart for us during this month. That's, that's the prayer. Lord, I want to see you. I think the elders are just so wise. Thank you, elders, for giving your pastor this opportunity to go and rest and recuperate and revive. And our prayer is that God would feed him and bring him back to us with uh, I just so appreciate this um, opportunity and I want to thank the staff and you just for the opportunity to share the wondrous majestic um, just Christ is uh, he's unspeakable I just think we're the most blessed people on the face of the earth And uh, today, we have read the Word of God together, and God is here by His Spirit. And um, He made a promise, I'm not leaving you, I'm with you. So we intentionally welcome Jesus Christ by welcoming the Spirit of the Living God to open our hearts to Him. I don't know if you, thank you for reading some of my resume there, brother. So I was born into a pastoral home. My dad was saved miraculously, really miraculously, when I, the year I was born, 1957. So I was raised in church, basically, and came into saving knowledge of Christ when I was seven. And... So I've been a long time in church and around church. Um, had the wonderful privilege of, of uh, great education in South Africa. And then 
obediently followed the call of God to come to seminary when I was 30 and had the privilege of doing two degrees there and then pastoring a wonderful church. And I, I don't know if you can maybe relate to me where you've went through singing as a kid, maybe went through bi- vacation Bible school, maybe you memorized verses. But when I was in my 40s, so already pastoring a church, I read a scripture from the words of Jesus that said this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. And I'd learned at that time to meditate on the word. And that is different from studying the word. And God kind of moved it from my head to my heart. And I got honest with God and I said, I didn't even know if it was okay to be honest at that time. But Lord, um, I think, now I know I'm saved. I have no doubt I'm going to heaven. That wasn't an issue for me. But man looks on the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. So God knows what's going on inside. You can fool other people, but you can't fool God, you know. And God was just calling me into authenticity with myself, with him. And so I read that scripture in a different way that day. And I said, God, if I'm honest, I identify more with the mission of Satan than I do with your mission. Something's wrong. And it's not that I didn't believe in the Lord. It, didn't, it wasn't to do with whether I had salvation or not. But I know that at that time, God gave me a divine dissatisfaction. And it wasn't with him. It wasn't with believing in him. That dissatisfaction led me to a thirst. I wanted to know, not just that I had eternal life, but I wanted to experience abundant life. I wasn't satisfied with reading, in me you have peace. In this world you have trouble, but in me you have peace. I was not satisfied with, well, yeah, now I'm going to heaven, but quite frankly, Lord, I have a lot of anxiety. I'm fearful. I'm often troubled. Can you really have a lot of really tough external circumstance going on and yet truly have the peace of God that passes all human understanding. It created something that was new for me. Because prior to that, it would have been try harder Christianity. It would be, you better be a better Christian. 
And I'd kind of vacillated between try harder and then give up. Try harder and give up. And I'd come to believe that until we divest ourselves of the tent of this age, it's going to be like that. And God just said to me, no, I really meant it. I haven't just come to give you life. I've come to give it to you abundantly. And I said, God, I want that. So God gave me a divine dissatisfaction. Not with him, but with me appropriating what he said he had made available to me. Along with that came a thirst. And if you remember John's Gospel, I love the story, but the woman at the well, Jesus goes to Samaria. He had to go there to meet that person. And he says to a woman, would you give me a drink? And she says, you've got to be kidding. You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How come you're asking me? And he says to her, woman, if you knew who was asking you for a drink, you would ask him for a drink. And I looked at that and I said, Lord, I want that. I want that kind of drink because you say that if you're thirsty, you can go to John chapter 7. If you're thirsty, come to me on the last and greatest day of the feast. If you're thirsty, come to me. He didn't say, go and get another degree. He didn't say, he said, come to me. And he said, I will give you a drink and it's going to well up within you. In other words, it's going to result in inside out living. Not outside in living. And I said, God, I'm thirsty. I want that. With that comes insight. In other words, God, what is your provision? I'll give you a drink, it'll become a stream. And if you go to that verse in chapter 7, verse 37, don't stop short because verse 39 says, and he was referring to the Holy Spirit who was about to be poured out on them. And I said, okay, so this drink is related to the Holy Spirit. Then God gave me practical steps, which is, you know, you wake up in the rational each day with thinking about stuff. We have to be intentional about going to the relational now, God made a promise, if you look at John's Gospel, he said, I'm going to the Father, but I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. We are coming back and we will be with you and we'll be in you and we're not going anybody, anywhere. I don't know about you, but wow, I love that promise. 
There's so many times I get exhausted, feel alone. And God just assures me, he says, Satan's a liar, not me. I'm with you. And I'm not leaving you. Proclaim it. So I had to learn practical steps. Practical, daily, intentional steps. I wake up in the rational. I had to go to the relational. And proclaim what God says is true. And then welcome the Holy Spirit. You've been so gracious to me. Many of you looked at me and said, wow, it's lovely to meet you. You welcome me here this morning. And when we do that relationally, there's something that starts to flow. It's called koinonia. It's called relational connectedness. And God has designed us for that. And along with relational connectedness comes all of the awesomeness of the help and the benefit of that relationship. And God is with us by His Spirit. And He has wonderful benefits for us that come through something called the Koinonia Fellowship of the Spirit. So God asked me to check my language. You know what he found? I would call the Holy Spirit it. I would call the Holy Spirit thing. I don't know, do you like being called thing? Like an inanimate object? We aren't like that. God says the Holy Spirit is the third person of the triune God. He is God with us. He is the Spirit of the one who raised Christ from the dead. He is Christ in us. This is the Holy Spirit who is with us and in us. And even when I wake up grumpy, he's right there. Never leaves or forsakes. I had to learn intentional, daily steps to go from the rational to the relational and welcome the Holy Spirit who is with me and in me. And I stand here before you today and in the next few weeks to say to you, I have a favorite saying. This is it. I don't know what I don't know. (laughs) It's one of my favorite sayings. Because back then I said, Lord, you've taught me a whole lot, but quite frankly, I don't know what I don't know. And I'm inviting you to take me on this journey of becoming more and more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ, because... That would be good for me. And I say to you this morning, right now I can see how much I have benefited from the life of Christ through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
But I don't know what I don't know. I do expect this. Between now and when I divest myself of the tent of this age and God calls me home, God will be sanctifying me. That's good. So I say, Lord, bring it on. (laughs) I have a a divine dissatisfaction. And my prayer for you is that in these next four weeks we would be more and more like the Lord Jesus. So I want to ask you a question. On a scale of one to ten. Ten being... Man, I'm just totally satisfied with where I am as a believer. One being, mm, (laughs) not so much. Where are you? Where do you want to be? Is there something in your heart that says, Lord, there's something more. And I want you. I want that drink. Benchmark yourself. Because when you look at that lag indicator, God will show you the leads. He will show you the practical daily things to take you from wherever you are. He'll just come and take you by the hand as he did with Peter and lead you every step of the way to where he wants you to be. Well, we've just read something called the prologue of John, the first 18 verses. Now, you see, we're typically used to reading books, and when we read something like that, we say, hmm, there's probably a foreword and an introduction. It's not a foreword or an introduction. This is God himself inviting us into the majesty of Almighty God. When you read John's Gospel, the first 18 verses, what we call the prologue, we're getting a real big picture. Brothers and sisters, this is an enormous privilege that God by his spirit, through this inspired word, would give us insight. We would not know it if God had not revealed it to us. So what kind of big picture is God giving us? Well, in the beginning was being the logos, imperfect of the verb to be. That's not just, he was born as a baby. (laughs) This is way before that. Infinity past. All the way back then. In other words, all the way back then, there never was a time that Jesus, the Word, was not. 
Then John says, however, there was a time when he came to be. Verse 14. And the word, the logos, came to be flesh, what we call the historical past. And then he brings us all the way into the present. And he says, no one at any time has ever seen God. However, the monogenes huios, the unique son, who is the unique God, that one who is present tense in the bosom of the Father, right now, that one has exegeted him. That one has revealed him to us. Well, we might say, well, why would we even need that? John goes on and he says, through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. Well, when I read that, I say, I've got life. Why do I need his life? No, the life we have is something called B-I-O-S. You and I have biology. We're a biological being. So we have life. But there is a problem with our bios life, and that is, it's terminal. It's really awesome, but it does have a problem, it's terminal. Ultimately, we face the terminal nature of our bios all the time. In the old days, before all these fancy computers, we actually had to do multiplication. You remember that? <laughs> Anyone do their times tables? And then you would do just fine, you know. You just go through that. You could rattle them off, and then some people were really advanced. They could do, they could do big times tables. But every mathematician, no matter how gifted they are, they get to the terminal nature of where their finite brain capacity is. It's terminal. I've watched the basketball players. Personally, I think the NBA should have a 20-foot goal. Don't you think so? It's not fair, man. Those people are 10 foot high. What's it to them to dunk? They need something bigger. But you know, at 20 foot, they would face the terminal nature. They probably wouldn't be able to dunk that, even the best of them. We face the terminal nature of our bios. John says, in Jesus, in the monogenes huios, the one of a kind, the only Son. In Him uniquely is a payload. 
And that payload is called Z-O-E. Zoe, anybody call Zoe here? Have a child called Zoe, anybody? It's an awesome name. The reason why it's so awesome, because uniquely, Jesus brought life. Z-O-E. And when you put the modifier with it, the descriptor with it, we are going to come up with one of our favorite verses. Don't we just love John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, literally his monogenes huios, that whoever believes in him will not be overcome by death. Your bios will be overcome by death. But will inherit, receive. Zoe Ionios. The modifier here is not about the length of time. It's about the quality of the life. This is the quality of the life that Jesus Christ uniquely brings, it is the life that overcomes death. It basically is the single solution for man's most urgent plight. And I'm grateful today that so many of us today have looked trusted in him and to us he has given us the authority this authority came from him to become the children of God not just to go to heaven but to enjoy the benefits of Abba Daddy who has provided bountifully for us to live the abundant life. You want some of that? I do. I want that. I don't know what I don't know. God, I'm thirsty for more of that abundant life. His life is light. <laughs> and it shines in the darkness. And our NASB says, and the darkness hasn't understood it. And that's 100% true. There's a whole lot of people, we're surrounded by them. They don't understand it. They're fearful of it. Thank God, friends. I want you to know if you have a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ through faith and trust in God, you're the most blessed person on the face of the earth. There's no greater blessing. And look at anybody else, their lifestyle or what they have. If you have a saving knowledge of Jesus, you're a son, daughter of the living God. 
That's the greatest blessing we can ever have. However, God hasn't just given us the blessing of adoption. He has also given us his life, which is false. It's light. Well, I don't know about you. But man, I don't like getting up in the dark. Because I tend to walk around my bed and it's pitch dark. And I think I should know this well. It's just three paces there and four paces there. And I end up tripping over something. You know why? Because it's dark. Friend, if you're a child of God, God has given you his life, which is light. And you say, well, you know, maybe if I was more spiritual or maybe if I was more educated. No, no, no. This comes by faith. God's not holding back from you. That's not his heart for you. He's not waiting for you to perform better for him to eke you a little bit more understanding. What more does God have to do to prove his unconditional love? You tell me. What more? He sacrificed his son. Did he sacrifice his son because he knew that in Christ was the life that is eternal? Did he do that to hold back from you and say, you go and figure it out, good luck with that? No. If you believe that, you're believing a fundamental lie of the enemy. Now you say, why is it then that as a highly educated person, as a believer in Christ, why is it? Well, Jesus says, come and see. And he invites those who have sight to come and see. He's not inviting you to go to the eye doctor and get better contacts or whatever. No, he's inviting us. He says, come and you, listen to this, will see. But we confuse knowledge with insight. The journey that God invites us to is a gift of revelation. It's the, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. What were we singing? You know what we were singing? We weren't saying, Lord, I, I, I would like to go to the physician and get better sight. No, we're asking God to open our eyes, not to whether we're going to heaven or not, that's a done deal. We're asking our, uh, God to show us his provision 
and how to receive it through faith while we're on earth. That's what we're asking. And so God says, life and light and love. Why would I even want to know that? Well, you see, when we welcome the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit is visceral to us. Oh, I love that word. Anybody else like that word? Visceral, tangible. You can experience it. And he says, now I'm in, I've adopted you into my household and my household is one of unconditional love. And when you welcome the Holy Spirit, there is a flow And it becomes an experience and the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, this love that is refracted through a life, it comes out with an array of color, the spectra of the Spirit. Joy. Peace. Patience. Goodness. Meekness, gentleness, self-control. You feel it. It's visceral. It's tactile. The opposite of that is fear, anxiety. I wonder if, I know I'm a sheep, but Is it just going to be more bad, bad, bad until I go to heaven? That was pretty good, wasn't it? (laughs) The followers of John turn and follow Jesus. You can see them in the narrative. Where are you staying? Jesus turns to them. Where are you staying? What do you want? Rabbi, where are you staying? You know what his invitation is? Come and you'll see. There's no description in the first chapter of what they saw, but they did go and stay with him. John pointed to the Lamb, and he says, Don't ask me who I am, I'm here to point him to him. That one will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and will abide. Jesus is saying, come and you will see and you will abide with me. Do you know that we have the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit? The invitation today, the journey out of this prologue is that it's not just introducing us to the fourth gospel. No, it is the picture of the wisdom and counsel of God who always was being and is and came to be. And from his fullness, 
We keep on receiving grace upon grace upon grace. How do I appropriate that? Jesus said, I'm going to the Father and we will come and we'll be with you and in you and we're not going anywhere. We have to welcome him. How often? This has become a dynamic part of my life. I know, man, I'll start off well sometimes. And don't you know, here comes life. And I get, how's this going to happen? And I said, and I just start to think about that. And then the what ifs come in, you know. What if this happens? And then, and then it starts to trouble my heart. And I have to stop back. Say, dear God, there I go again. Thank you that you're with me and in me. And that you welcome me. The peace of God that passes human understanding guards my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. I invite you to this journey for these few weeks we have together. And my prayer for you, as I pray for myself, I don't know what I don't know. But boy, do I have such an expectation of the always was being monogenes huios, who's so full of life that transcends, that overcomes. And I welcome him. As I pray, I'm going to pray a prayer that I wrote based in Romans chapter 10. It talks about believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. And I invite you to pray with this with me this morning. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, I believe in my heart, God, you have raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus, you are Lord. You are my Lord. I thank you for the authority that you have given to me to live by your resurrection life through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. I invite your work in me and through me for the glory of Almighty God in the name of Jesus. And God's people said, Amen.